Hey, welcome to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. I am your host, Clay, and today, I'm assuming you saw it by the title, sitting down with uh, somebody that I have a lot of respect for, and I can't quite call him a friend in the sense of, you know, the people I surround myself with. However, if Z, who is who I'm talking to today, happened to live locally, he would totally be somebody that I would try to befriend. I don't, whether or not he would befriend me, I, I guess I can't say either way for that, but he is somebody that I would totally put in my sphere of influence because if, if you wanna know what beast mode looks like, if you wanna know what I don't want excuses looks like, if you wanna know what hard work looks like, then look no further than Z. Z has a, a unique story, and that's what we re- mainly focus on is his story because I find it very motivational. He is not from the country. He lives here now. Uh, he's from Serbia, as we'll discover. But he has gone through a lot of things, and he has a perspective that a lot of us, myself included, we just don't have. When you grow up in the United States, uh, you take a lot of things for granted. And I, I don't say that like, well, if you take things for granted, you're evil. I'm just saying it's, it's kind of a function of the system where when you're used to having things, you're just used to having them and you don't really think twice about them. But that's not what it was like for Z. And Z's got, I mean, I'm motivated. He goes into this couple speeches about you know the movie 300 and his mentality and he got me fired up. I mean, his viewpoint on life is one that, I'll say it again, I respect a lot, I admire, and this I found extremely motivational, extremely inspirational, and one of those where if I'm kind of feeling oh, you know, life's rough right now, oh, you know, this or that, and woe is me, this this would be a good you know, episode, a good discussion that I'm gonna reflect back on because we have a lot that we take for granted. I have a lot that I take for granted that I kind of discovered in Heron Z's story, but it is something that I think everybody can benefit from. Maybe you're getting ready to go and, and do something that you know is gonna be difficult, Maybe you're going through something difficult right now. Well, Z is one of those people that has been there. He's done that. He's still doing it to a lesser extent now as things have have, have calmed down. But yeah, he had his ax to the grindstone at full bore. And, um, you know, you'll kind of, he walks us through all of it. And, you know, we we go off on a couple different tangents. But overall, I'm confident that you're going to get quite a bit of inspiration and motivation. And if anything, you're going to have, you know, like I was saying, if you think life's difficult, you know, you'll you'll probably be able to reflect back and say, you know, sure, this is kind of annoying, but it it could be a lot worse. So I don't want to get into anything more. So let's get get to Z and uh, I'm fired up for it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we just talked uh, last week for uh, the other the other business I run. We talked for, for that one. And I've known for a long time that I wanted to get you on here. I have a list of people. Your name is on that list. And after our, our, our uh, talk in Florida, so for listeners, I have met Z, um, for, again, for the other business. We do uh, meetups where, you know, uh, I'll go around the country and, you know, members from that location will come. Or I guess in that case, Z, you flew down. Uh, but... Uh, Z and I have met in person. We talked. He was telling me some of his story then, and I was just fascinated by it. And it's a perfect fit for kind of the uh, the atmosphere, if you will, about uh, you know what this uh, show is all about. So, uh, Z, I guess I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but and you don't have to answer. But how old are you? I'm uh, 20, 28 right now. You're 28. Okay. Yes. So you're still, I don't know, man. Two years before you're 30. How do you feel about that? 
uh honestly it doesn't seem real to me you know it's like it's coming up but like i don't i don't feel that way i still feel like i'm like 22 23 yeah no well on the bright side i don't think that ever goes away because i'm let's see 34 i don't know i'm either 33 or 34 i can't remember <laughs> i was born in 1983 but um i still feel like i'm like um a high schooler a college kid like i don't know i'm, I'm my wife would probably say that i'm very immature at times so i, I don't know if that ever goes away i mean i feel like and I'm sure you can relate to this. The more ex you can probably relate to it more than a lot of people, but the more experience you get, you probably get a little bit more wiser. But as far as like the mental aspect of things, I don't think that ever quite goes away. So hopefully that can offer you some a little bit of hope. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, yeah. make 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 you feel a little bit better. Now you are from Serbia, yep. Which is uh, for me, do a little geography. What what countries surround Serbia? Uh, so probably most of the people would know the country. We used to be a country that's called Yugoslavia. And there was a war in 1991 and the country split in pieces. But we used to be a, a bigger country than we are now. And we used to be... Um, so countries that were making Yugoslavia were uh, Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia, Macedonia, and uh, Slovenia, and Montenegro. So we all kind of split in pieces. And... Uh, so most of the older people would know by Yugoslavia, way more famous than Serbia. But uh, all, all those countries that I just said, they're the countries that surround me. And also we have uh, Hungary on the north and Bulgaria and Romania on the east side border. Now, I, I, my uh, Yugoslavian history is lacking. What was the cause of uh, the war that split up the country? Because I, I do, I am old enough to remember Yugoslavia as a country. Then I also remember Bosnia. I, I know we as Americans got involved. I can't remember the exact context of that. But regardless, what? give us a, a little history lesson. What exactly happened in Yugoslavia? Because I love history. Right. Well, as always, uh, like in many countries, the cause is always like politics and you know, countries fighting about like, the financial situations, about money. One country thinks that uh, would do better without other country. And then uh, whenever there are crises, uh, that's where the, that's a perfect environment for, uh, uh, for everything that's bad, you know, to grow as like criminal and everything else. So uh, when criminals take over politics, uh, that's where the chaos starts. And I mean, I wasn't even born when that started, but uh, still, from what I heard, it was uh, it was pretty bad. Okay, and I'm they teach history in schools where you went, I would assume, right? Right. Do you know is uh, is history taught from all the different perspectives depending on what country you're in? So, for example, you coming from Serbia versus somebody in Croatia versus somebody in Macedonia versus somebody in uh, you know one of these other countries. Do you think everybody has kind of a a different answer or do you think that the answers are pretty universal in terms of what actually happened everybody will have a different answer so everybody twist history like however they want it in our countries you know everybody's trying to you know feel innocent and feel not guilty and blame the other and that's just uh that's just the mentality over there and i cannot help it you know like if you ask like somebody who's not serbian from yugoslavia to tell you about like what happened, they will have their own story. And if you ask somebody from Serbia, we will have our own story. And I don't think there's necessarily that anybody's right or wrong. It's just like, I think everybody is guilty, you know, with a, with the same amount. No, that makes sense. And 
I always find that fascinating because you gotta always remember people's point of views and one of my favorite topics is always uh, if somebody's from you know uh, England or the UK is hey how were you taught about the Revolutionary War because us as Americans you know we're, we're we're taught from you got a phone call oh no 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 okay are you okay was that a fire alarm or anything or uh, I don't know what happened Did... okay maybe I don't maybe that was on my end I don't oh know. maybe I moved the mic a little bit maybe that's what. Okay. Made a sound. Sorry. Okay, but you're okay. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because I'm okay too. I want to make sure that I don't need to uh, call the call the. Uh, the ambulance <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, but I find that fascinating. How were people from the UK taught about the Revolutionary War? You know, compared to us as Americans taught. I don't know. I find all those things uh, fascinating. Now, what I really like about you is you're the ultimate excuse killer in terms of, oh, woe is me, this, woe is me, that. Oh, the system is rigged against me. Oh, you know, a lot of people in this country, um, you know, they, they, I'm sure you're aware of it. A, a lot of people like to blame external forces and it's like, you know, I, I don't really think that's true. And you are yet another person that's gonna fit into this mold, I think. I'm pretty sure from what I know about you, but you grew up like we established in Serbia and you eventually, you know, came over here to America. And I know some of this, so I'll do my best to play dumb, but at what age, you know, did all this kind of start to play out where you decided, you know what, I, I'd like to go try to get over to that country, you know, called the United States of America? Well, first of all, I want to say that that like people like trying to find excuses that I think that's very universal. Uh, even back home, I used to have friends that like always complain about something and like uh, always, you know, talk about how things should be done, but like they never actually move, you know, everything stays in talks. So uh and what do they complain about out of curiosity so your friends in serbia what were their complaints it's like for example they would complain of course their financial situation they don't have money and stuff and then i would ask them like why did why don't you get a job and like they were like all right if i get a job i don't want to work and get paid like 200 euros a month which is it is like you can't really do anything with 200 euros a month in serbia but it's still better than zero you know it's still like you're doing something and uh you know, they, they would constantly complain about money and they would never work. They would actually, you know, never try to find a job or do something that, that can change or, you know, or even try to like find the other solutions, maybe go elsewhere or, you know, do whatever, do whatever it takes to, uh, to change it. So I think that's pretty universal to, you know, everybody. You're always going to find more people of, of that kind than, you know, people there like they're trying to do something. I, I fully agree, but I would also throw in this caveat, and I don't know if, because uh, I don't know anything about Serbia's economy at that point or just anything, so I'll take a, a, an extreme ad advantage. If somebody in some African village was complaining about, man, I kind of got to get it rough, I got to hike five miles to get some water, and then when I get there, I got to avoid Nile crocodiles, and then on the way back, I got to watch out for lions, and then I get back. And I, I think in some situations, people are justified to kind of be like, this is rough, this is this is pretty brutal. So I think complaining, kind of being a little bit of a buzzkill in some situations is okay, but this brings full circle back to, and this is why I'm, I'm very curious about your perspective on things, but when you get into this country, you know, North America, the United States, I, I think we're a lot different than many other places in the world. So to hear people complaining about, quote unquote, the system, 
and you can talk to this better than I can, but would you would you say that those people are kind of really misplaced in their grievances or a little misplaced in their complaining? Well, like you said, like you can always look things from both sides. So, for example, if you're like live in Serbia, you're not happy with 200 euros a month. Like you said, like you can see that guy in Africa, you know, like that doesn't have a water to drink. So you can always look things from both sides. And one of the things that impressed me when I got here, actually, the first thing that I was like in shock was, uh, like I said, I was working as a as a, my first job was I was working as, as a busboy in one of the restaurants. So. I, there, there was a girl that worked as a server in the same restaurant. So she, uh, I don't know what happened exactly, but like, it, I think somebody didn't tip her or somebody left without paying a bill. It, it was something stupid, you know? And then she ended up like in tears and crying and like, like make the whole situation so dramatic. And I was like, I was in shock. And like, what even shocked me more, there were like her coworkers, everybody was, you know, like, starting to you know talk to her like it was something like something really bad happened like i was trying to find the story behind that but there was actually no story behind that it was just like like a simple little problem you know they made the whole drama about it and i was like i was like if this is going to be my biggest problem like i'm off to a great start you know <laughs> so what let me ask this what would you consider a big problem because i mean i can see her like what the heck does people didn't pay? What's going on? And you know, I, I can see how that may spur some drama. But again, I am speaking from the totally American perspective. So what would you consider more of a bigger problem? I mean, something that gonna make me cry, you know. It would be like I don't even want to mention, but like something like really big, like something that happened to me recently that I, you know, uh lost a dear friend of mine or uh something that's like really big, something that that I cannot really change and I cannot not do nothing about it, you know. Or I don't know the problems I had back home that you know like that I didn't. Yeah, what's have. what's a back home problem? That's what I want to try to establish. Is I I I think we as Americans here have it much better than what some people may portray it to be. So back home, what would be a, a more of a bigger problem compared to this one where the you know the the waitress was crying and all that? Yeah. So back home was like as I was growing up, I I was definitely not from the from the rich family, and it was. Uh, you know, when you literally constantly listen, you know, your mom and dad, you know, talk about financials, like you're not able to, you know, to, to have what other kids have. And then you're not able to go to vacations. You're really like struggling. It's always like a bad atmosphere in the house, you know, even though my parents were great, you know, they were trying to hide it as much as possible. But, you know, sometimes, you know, they would go deep into credits, you know, trying to put a, keep the roof on top of the heads and, you know, put a food on the table. And, um, it was just like constantly for years, like listening to that. And then uh, just where I grew up, it's it was not like super safe. It was, you know, just uh, everything put together was uh, uh, created a pretty bad atmosphere. You know, it, it, it kind of puts you in a bad mood. Always, you always like, you know, feel like, uh, you know, things are not, not working right. And, you know, that goes for years and then like, makes your makes you you know be like a little bit depressed and a little bit like negative about things but uh a little little few try uh, manage to escape from that no that's um i i, I think you summed up purple you can't really put an exact uh you know your, your thumb on it exactly but all of those things combined you're always just kind of in a bad mood in a sense and i think that's um it's like everything like you when you look around like all the doors seem closed you know like with a with a big chain on them and like you, you 
can't really like see where's the way out you know what you know here you can like doing bad you can be in credits you can like you know you can really be in a bad situation too but i can always get a job in mcdonald's i can always work for eight eight seven eight dollars an hour and i it's gonna be enough to you know to eat and to keep the roof on my uh on top of my head but like back home like that was impossible there's no jobs opportunities there's nothing you know there's like if there's there's no help there's like literally you just like there's no escape that's that's how you that's the feeling you have all the time no you summed it up perfectly there, there's no help in the sense of like you just said here if things get bad I'm just gonna go get a job at McDonald's and like you said sure it's not like you're making eighty thousand dollars a year but it, there's at least job opportunities whereas if I'm understanding right over in uh, Serbia there, there just wasn't that abundance sure there was jobs but it's not like there's jobs as numerous as they are here is that essentially what you know was kind of holding you back exactly and most of the times what will happen like my first job i was working for like six months i was working as um i was uh like a shopping mall and once it closed they need like overnight shift for somebody to be like not like real security not not it's like dangerous or anything but it's like the the person who's going to be there you know make sure nothing's you know nothing's weird going on around so i was doing that for like six months that was my first job i was doing overnight shifts like 11 hour shifts and for six months i didn't get paid and like i never seen a dime like ever from that job and that's like something that happens all the time oh my <laughs> all right i'm z i'm gonna try not to you know scream at you i'm not screaming at you i'm just kind of screaming that whoever will listen but um, I was, I was good. My question was going to be, well, is that common or is that kind of a rare exception? But I mean, could common. you imagine here if you worked for six, let's not even, let, if you worked for one month and you didn't get paid, think about that. Think about the, I mean, Z, think about that waitress. She didn't get tipped or whatever. And she made a huge dramatic scene. Could you imagine if she didn't get paid for one single month? Right. Oh, I would, my. I would actually wish that to happen to me here. So you can sue somebody and like even make more money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, the good old litigation here in the United <laughs> States. But, uh, wow, that's, I, I mean, like I said to, to the people out there and more than likely not, if you're listening to this, you're not one of those people. But the next time you hear somebody complaining about their job, be like, are you paid on a weekly basis? Are you paid twice a month? And as soon as I say, yeah, I'd be like, okay, Watch this. Watch this clever marketing here, Z. Say, okay, I want you to go to moneywithclay.com and listen to this podcast uh, where the host, Clay, talked to somebody from Serbia. And then he mentions his job situation in Serbia. So the next time you feel like complaining about something at this job, just keep in mind Z from Serbia and maybe just shut your mouth and stop complaining because you really don't have it that bad. So, I mean, that's what I'm hoping a lot happens here is people can be like, all right, yeah, I think you need to listen to this podcast and stop complaining because that's really brutal, man. That's um So did you ever get paid? Never. Like You never, never got paid? Never got paid. I went a few times to uh to ask them what's going on and I mean the owners they were kind of I mean I can freely say they're kind of like basically criminals. They were just like two guys that were like very very suspicious and I didn't want to go very deep into that cuz my salary was not worth, you know, me risking my life about some, you know, little money. Yeah, the risk versus reward was not there for <laughs> risk, you. Risk, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, this, was it common to just, now you said it was common to go long durations of time without getting paid, but what, is it also pretty common for a lot of people to just end up not even getting paid at all? Yeah, man, there are people that didn't get paid for like, my uh, cousin, he didn't get paid for like three years. 
So that's like uh, uh, six months is like nothing. That's like that, that's funny to me, you know. How, so how does your cousin like? How do these people survive then? I guess uh, they, particularly him, he has a he has a house, so he doesn't pay rent. First of all, and then uh, living expenses are not that bad, you know. In Serbia, you can uh, they're not big as here, so you can. And I guess he has some savings on the side, but he was pretty upset, you know. He was definitely not happy about it, and he was walking on the edge, you know. And he had to change the job eventually and, you know, started doing something else. So it sounds like that if somebody as an employer there can just simply say, look, we're going to pay you once a month, that would be like a huge, huge advantage over lots of other employers then. Uh, definitely, yes, definitely. Wow. Uh, so if you have somebody who pays you on time, no matter how much that is, that's a, like a big thing. That's really important, you know. I, I, and this is, I mean, I, I, I clearly take a lot of things for granted because I, when I worked for Honeywell, I, I never even thought about need, like pay or money not being deposited in my account when it should have been. It, it never even crossed my mind. And is this pretty commonplace among uh, Croatia, uh, you know, all those other countries that broke up from uh, Yugoslavia, or is this just something unique to Serbia? No, that's the very same all the way around. We, it's like we're basically, uh, they can call themselves, you know, one name, we can call ourselves the other names, but it, it's like somebody takes, you know, like United States and like just cross it, you know, in different pieces. If your brother lives in one piece and you live in the other, that won't make you no brothers because somebody said it's like different names. So we're all the same. It's like, there's no, there's no difference. Okay. I mean, so this is just um, another part of the world where, like I said, I, I can't think of um, most jobs here. Yeah, that's just, that's crazy. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, now was that the, the uh, six month where you didn't get paid? Is that kind of what finally pushed you over the edge in terms of, all right, I need to actually find a solution and get out of here? Or did you have to go through some more hard times before you started to really decide and kind of focus on just literally having the solution be to leave the country? Well, I had to go through some more hard times, but even uh, at that point when I had that job, I was, uh, I mean, I was, I was working that job because I didn't have anything else, but in my head, I was really looking like, you know, for escape. I was looking, you know, I was, I was thinking about what can I do constantly? You know, it was, it was eating me alive. You know, it's like, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to, you know, grow old somewhere that, that I can not change anything that I cannot do anything. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was the thing that was on my mind 24 seven and I was just waiting for opportunity, you know, like just like waiting for a little spark to, you know, like just just something to happen, you know, that I can do something, you know. Did you voice this to any of your friends saying, hey, 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 buddies, hey, fellas, I, I there's got to be something better. There, there's got to be more. Did you did you ever talk about that with them? Yeah, pretty much everybody knew how I felt. And uh, well, what was their response? What, what was their kind of thought process in regards to all of this? I mean, I know you said a lot of them complained about not making enough money or not having money, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, when you voice these things about, hey, there's got to be something better. What What did they say? Yeah, most of them were like, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, you're right. You should, you should. And then one asked, like, let's do it together. You know, let's let's try something. And then they were like, yeah, but like kind of, you know, there's no opportunities here. And I don't want to leave the country. My family is here. You know, I don't know the language. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to do it. It's not that easy like it sounds. You know, it's not like in the movies, this and that. And like, 
million excuses. And uh, actually, I came with one of my friends. So one of them was like, kind of had the same mindset as me. So we came together. But uh, 90% of 99% of them were like, not really up to, you know, like leaving the country or like trying something that was uh, uh, a little more adventurous than, you know, trying to get out of the comfort zone, basically. Now, I will defend your friends to an extent saying, well, that's not very easy. You don't know the language. It's a whole other culture. It's a whole other country. That, that, that is true, but I don't know how the saying goes. It goes something somewhere, or, um, you know, all things that are worthwhile are not necessarily easy. So, I mean, I, I understand their point of view, but uh, no, I, I guess No, me too, that, me too. It's like, I'm not saying it's, it was easy yeah, for me. Yeah. It's anything, but uh, it's just the way I look things. It's like, did you watch the movie 300, by the way? This is Sparta, that movie 300? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. What kind so, of question is that, So, Z? yeah, I mean, yeah. I love the movie. I love the comic book too, but that was kind of like how I see things, you know, like there were 300 against like the whole army, but, you know, like you can die or you can die like a warrior, you know, there's no, I mean, what would you rather take? You Either way, you're going to die, you know, it's like at least try to do something, you know, at least fight, you know, like you're going to feel good about yourself. So that's my mindset and that's like, I didn't want to just, I know it's going to be hard and everything, but uh, it's just like, I can't like, I can't, you know, stay a coward all my life. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ready to run through a wall. I mean, if this was a <laughs> motivational speech, I'd be like, where were you during the football day? Or let's see, I don't, what do you call American football? Uh, American football. Okay. Well, if this was back in American football at halftime, you know, during uh, when I used to play, man, if. We should have brought you in to get. I mean, you would have probably been like seven years old, but that's that's <laughs> fine. I mean, that would have been absolutely. You said it perfectly. I mean, but the thing is, is if you're already in this country, you're already in this country. Like, think about where Z ended up going in order to fix his problems. So I don't want to hear anybody complaining about their problems being in the country that many people go to to fix their problems. It's just so it's so pathetic. But uh, yeah, exactly. I like that mentality, the 300 type mentality. And um, again, I, I understand your your, your uh, friend's point of view and I, I can respect that. But at the same time, like, like you were saying earlier, you can sit there and complain and complain and complain or you can do something about it. And uh, you, you went to more, I would say, drastic measures to leave the country, but good for you. Now, how did that, I mean, what did your parents think about all this? Uh, I had actually support from, I mean, obviously they were uh, not feeling good that they're not going to see me for probably a few years. They knew that. And it was like, especially mom, you know, there was a lot of crying involved, but uh, in the end of the day, I had the support, you know, they were, they, they just didn't want me, you know, stay there and just like either not do anything or either do something that's bad, you know, like go a different direction. I was still very young, you know, like I was, uh, you know, like they were worried about them not going to get influenced, but some of my friends, they, that choose, you know, to make money in the way they're, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And, um, they just want me to stay on the right path, you know, not, not go off the, off the rails. So I had support from them. So in other words, you have really good parents. Yes, absolutely. There you go. They, they wanted you, they were willing to be selfless and let you go even though they wouldn't see you because they understood that the long game, they understood the risk versus reward of the situation. Absolutely. Again, because you can understand that. So more of the story, Z has good parents. So to all of us, and I'm talking to myself too, as parents, I'm talking to you too, Z, since I know you have a child. At the end of the day, we gotta be good parents because that can go a long way. So yes. 
Um, now, how old were you when you decided I- I've had enough of it? I want to start to uh, you know putting putting a motion, a plan to get to the United States. I know you said you had been thinking about it for a long time, but when did you actually start to kind of push the ball and get that ball rolling? Well, when I was, I think I was 19 or 20. That was the final I took action. But long before that, I was it was accumulate, accumulating in me. The, all the pain and anger and everything, it was just like, you know, little by little accumulate, accumulating. And uh, I think I finally took an action. First time I saw the opportunity, I got in touch with that friend of mine who's uh, who was Serbian, but he lived for like six years back at the time. It was, I think it was six years. And I knew him from back home, but like I was, we were never great friends. It was just like, you know, I knew him. He was living in my, in the building where I live. And I don't remember how, but I got in touch with him and I literally asked for help. I, I told him like, honestly, what's going on? I was like, man, like, I'm really like thinking about what to do. I know you there. I know that it's not easy there. I, I don't think it's easy, but, uh, is there any way you can, anyhow, you can help me out, get out of here, you know, like hook me up with anything, you know, I, I'll be your, you know, I, I would owe you for life. And fortunately he was, uh, he was able, you know, he, he was like, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll help you out. He, he, that year, I think he opened, um, the uh, IT company, like a small company. And at the same time, he was working at, as a bartender in the restaurant where I used, where I worked when I came to United States as a busboy. And so he sent me the job offer from there, like did my paperwork and everything made it possible for me to get over. And that's how I got here. That was, I was 20, 20, no, actually 21. I was 21 when I came. And this was, so paperwork, you came over, I, I don't understand the assessment, but did you have like a green card or something? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, not in the beginning, but later on I got it. First it was like a work visa, then I got the green card, and then uh, last year I got my citizenship. Well, hey so. man, congratul- congratulations on that. Thank um, you. So you came over here legally, is what you're saying? Yes, yes, of course. Okay, I, and I, I try not to get too political here, and I don't think it is political, I think it's just a, a matter of systems are put in a place to work, but. Um, here we have a success story of somebody that went through things just in the legal fashion. And it, if you literally just got it last year and you said you're 28 yep. and you came over when you were 20. Uh, so it 20, took a, actually, 20. I'm sorry, 22. I was That was 2012. I'm born in 1990. So yeah, 2000, I was 22 right. actually. Regardless, it took multiple years for you to get your citizenship then. Yep. Took six so years. I, so I, I mean, I, I can understand why some people may be perturbed when they go through the system the right way and then other, I, we won't go down that path, but you know, well done in, in that in that regard and, and yeah, congratulations, that's pretty cool. Now, Thank you. you came over here, so the job offer was to work in that, work in the bar, uh, right? uh, To work at, uh, yeah, to work at the bar as a busboy. As a busboy, yes. and do you remember how much you were gonna get paid for that? I remember, in a job offer, it was uh, like four seventy-five an hour plus tips, and I was like, "Wow!" You know, I was looking at the number. I mean, I kind of knew that like uh, things like don't work as much as you know things don't work here as much as they work in Serbia. I knew the living expense is gonna is gonna be bigger. So, but still, like like I was like when I saw that money, like four seventy-five an hour, I was like, "Wow!" If I work ten hours a day, that's like fifty dollars. That's what. 
you know, if you work four days, that's like $200. That's like, that's what people make in a month plus tip, you know? And tip was like, when I found, when I came, when I actually started working, I figured out the tip was actually the, the bigger part than a hourly pay. And it was pretty good. I, I love it, man. That's, yeah, again, uh, we take a lot for granted in this country and you're, you're all fired up about 475 plus tips. Now, yeah. this was, you didn't, cause, uh, shame on me, you're in, you're in New Jersey right now, right? Yes, yep. Okay, but you originally came into Florida, right? No, I originally came into New Jersey and then I moved to Florida. And then, okay. I, and then I moved back to New Jersey. Okay, so the, the original restaurant, uh, a busboy was in New Jersey and, uh, your, your your buddy, and you know, I'll, I'll let you press as deep or not. But wasn't there originally some sort of other business opportunity or something that you thought you were going to be taking part of here? Yeah. So when I talked to him before I even came, I, we actually talked even when I was there. Uh, I was like, because the the town where I live, the town that I live now, and that's the town where the restaurant is was actually because doesn't exist anymore. But uh, it's very seasonal. It only lives for like four months of a year. And after that, it's kind of really, really slow. You don't have much to do. So I was talking to him and I was like, man, what do you recommend? Like after, you know, after I finish the season, uh, what can I do? You know, and since he had that company, he was like, you know what? I'm going to actually going to need help with my company. There's going to be enough work. You know, you're going to be good. And I was like, cool, you know, great. And when the, when the season over, was over uh i was like talking to him and he was like delaying and delaying and like i never actually got a job and then i was like you know what man uh i gonna try to move to florida you know and just like blindly start looking for a job because i know the florida is is kind of the opposite way when when the season dies here the season starts in florida because they they're busier in the winter time so that's how i ended up in florida <laughs> So I like it. You had a problem, and instead of sitting there complaining about the problem, you used some critical thought, and you thought, "Well, what can I? What's the solution to this?" So I, I love how you focus on the solution and not the problem. And the solution that makes perfect sense. Well, if it's off season now, I'm assuming because it was cold, let's go to where it's warm, where it'll still be, you know, still have plenty of action. And that was down in Florida. So right. you now, how did you? How much, and I, I don't expect you to know exactly, uh -huh. but uh, for the money that you made at this first job, what were you doing with that? Were you saving the majority of it? Were you just spending it as fast as it came in? What did your actual financial picture look like, you know, within your first, you know, several months here in the United States? Well, what I forgot to say earlier was uh, in order to come here, you know, to like, just to like buy the plane tickets and you know, just to pay for the program they brought me here was like a lot of money for me. So I had to borrow the money from all over the place, you know, from many different people. And that was pretty much everything I earned the summer. I had to pay the, you know, paid back, send the money back home. So I was like, I think I was left with like thousand dollars after that season. And from those thousand uh, dollars, I had to pay, I think 400 for the, for the first month in Florida to live in order to live there. So I was basically, when I get got to Florida, I was basically with $600 in my pocket and, and no job. You know what I, I like though? Would you, would you agree that 
your return on investment of all those of all that borrowing money you did to get over here? Would you think that was a pretty good investment into yourself? So that was uh, at a time I thought it was a great investment. Now it's confirmed as a great investment. Okay, I was gonna say, wait a second. What are you gonna say, Z? That it wasn't? I was gonna. I would agree. I would say your return on investment. Uh, you can't put a percentage on that because, yeah, that that's awesome, man. I I love it because uh, here obviously we talk a lot about personal finances and money, and I would not sure it was a debt, but I don't I, I don't like to use that word debt because that was a total investment into yourself to put yourself in a better situation to which you have confirmed. Not only did you pay it back, how many hours did you work at that uh, um, up in New Jersey as was, a busboy uh, per day? Per day, I think my week, my average per week was like 90 hours, uh, close to 100. A hundred. Uh, yeah, close. So to that's 100. a one with two zeros after it. Yes. Yeah. That was my. That's how much I worked a week. It was pretty good. Oh. Yeah. But I don't want to work forty hours a week. I can't fit. Oh my goodness, Z, yeah. you were putting. Oh man, Z, the victim card players do not like you, Z. They uh, are not. A, they are not going to have T-shirts that say <laughs> Z with a heart on it. That's the exact opposite. Um, Wow, hundred. So I'm I'm not very good at math. What does that average out to? Is that like 15 hour days? So I was starting at nine in the morning, and then I would work uh, double shift from nine in the morning till about eleven. So what would that be? Uh, nine, twelve. Uh, that would be 14 hours, and then from eleven till like two, three in the morning, I would be working as a. Like I said, that friend of mine was a bartender. So he would pay me something to just clean the bar from him, just be behind the bar, you know, help him out, back him up, you know, just basically be a bar back. But not really, because I was not supposed to serve drinks. Just I was just basically cleaning, you know, running around him, trying to help. So I would go to like one, two, three in the morning, Depend, you know, depends on how busy we are. But like probably like 16 hours a day or so, you know. And what did you do with the other time in your day? Uh, pretty much didn't have the other time of the day. I was like, you, did you, you just you just slept then? I just slept then. Yeah, uh, I was a uh, pretty. Uh, uh, I was pretty miserable. I was pretty like mentally. I was totally like it was. It was some hard times, really tough times for me. Like I would always remember those times. It was now, pretty pretty hard. When you're going through it, did you absolutely hate it, or is there a part of you that was just kind of relieved in the sense of I'm making this money? They're they're paying me. They're paying me on time. Or what? Did you just absolutely hate it? So first, at first, I was, uh, you know, it was hard, but I was like so enthusiastic. I was, you know, like going through it, and like I didn't really care. I'm putting that much hours. I was just like loving the money I make, and I had my goals. And then as the time was going on, you know, as I was getting deeper into the summer, I started hating it. You know, hating it a lot. But there was always that you know person that lives inside me that was like you know like keep you know, telling me that like everything, you know, once it's over, you know, it's going to be all right. You know, you, I have my goals and I got to do my, I got to, you know, achieve my goals and like, there's no excuse, but regardless, you can help it, man. When you work like over hundred hours a week and you work physical, it's not like that. I sit in the office or something that I have, you know, some time off. It was like super busy, you know, like you're like 16 hours running around, you know, like it's just like, you don't stop. You're on your legs. It's like, I lost like 30 pounds. It was crazy, you know? It was like there was no way for me to feel to feel good. But like I said, there is that person inside of me that was like, you know, keeping me going, you know, telling me that I have my goals. I had to do it. There there was no, you know, there was no quitting there. So I and I, I would probably 
I think another motivating factor would, would probably be you knew you had to pay back all those loans anyways, right? So that was probably a good little motivating force too to complement the person inside of you. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I've, I'm kind of short on words because I wish I could say, oh yeah, man, I can totally relate. But I've, I've never worked. A, I mean, I, I, I can put in the hours. I'm not going to deny that. But a hundred hours in a week, that's, uh, that's hauling. Now, you. So that makes sense where the money came from and, um. You clearly didn't have a social life. If you're working that money hours, it's not like you're out there spending it frivolously on just garbage. It was to pay off the loan and then you were saving the rest. Yeah. And you decided to go down to Florida. And like you said, you got to Florida with $600 in your pocket and no job. So right. pick things up from there. Where, I mean, this this sounds like a Hollywood movie right now, but yeah. you're in Florida, 600 bucks, no job. What happened next? Well, I remember, first of all, the way I got to Florida was crazy. So. I was, uh, like I said, there was a time after season when I didn't know what to do. And I was like, I just had to make a decision. You know, it was like no more space for thinking anymore because money was, you know, like flying away. And I was not really good at money, you know, to give myself the time. So I will have to make decision, like no matter how it is, decision has to be made. And so I, me and my friend, actually, we, oh, this is like a crazy combination, but like his father, who's in Serbia, like 20 years ago, he met, he knew the guy that now lives in USA, who's like older guy. So and that guy knew the guy who knew the guy and that guy knew the, it was like something crazy, man. It was like some crazy combination. But somehow we got to this guy who who was uh, renting apartment, who was living in that apartment, but he had to leave. And since we didn't have enough money for deposit and everything and for especially the credit check, we had no credit after four months being in the country. So he was like, uh, all right, guys, if you want to, you can take over my lease, uh, but you will have to send me the money in advance. You know, you will have to send me money from New Jersey. I can't wait for you. So that was a little sketchy there because I was uh, I was worried about that. Maybe, you know, like he's going to take our money and like, you know, not, not, we're never going to see him. But uh, so we did that. You know, we sent the money. He saved the apartment for us. Uh, I remember we like landing in Florida, you know, like crossing our fingers that actually somebody's waiting for us. You know, because we basically didn't know anything about the person. So I remember we landing and like getting out of the airport and like it was it was pretty cold in New Jersey. So we're coming here in our jackets, you know, and it's like it's like this was Fort Lauderdale Airport, right? Yes. Yes. yes, okay. Fort Lauderdale. And, and like we're like seeing like 80 degrees there, like palm trees. We're like, wow. Like I can't remember. I can't. Uh, it was like not understandable for me that in the same country, I just realized how big is the United States. You know, in the same country, one part is the winter, the other part is the summer. You know, we don't have that. And uh, do you have palm trees? <laughs> no, we don't have that. Have you ever seen a palm tree? I did. Yeah, I did see. Uh, I, when I was in Montenegro, they have sea, so they have some palm trees. Oh, okay, all right. But, uh, I'm a big. I, I love my palm trees. That's why I th I thought I'd ask. But... I love palm trees too. Yeah, but that is uh, that's a good point. It is. It's a crazy country um, when you think about, like you said, it's winter. And then all of a sudden you hop off this big contraption known as an airplane and oh look, it's warm here now. In fact, I'm a little hot and there's palm trees all over the place. It's 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 quite wild. Right. And it was like it like really changed my mood because I was coming from New Jersey that was like pretty like always a gray sky at that time of the year, you know, it was like always windy and cold and like uh season was over, people are pretty depressed constantly complaining about money and complaining. That's how it goes here. Like once the season is over, people start complaining. And 
you know, I was like influenced by, you know, bad mood. And then I came to Florida, you know, like hot weather, palm trees, you know, people like acting totally different, you know, in a good mood. But uh, yeah, anyways, uh, so actually that guy that I didn't know if he's going to wait for us or not, he was actually there. Uh, he didn't screw us up. So he basically picked us up from the airport, took us to our apartment. And he was like, you know, a guy's like, I'm, I'm moving tomorrow. I don't know where he was going. I think to New York City or somewhere. He was like, you know, uh, this is your apartment now. You can pay a rent with this guy. And uh, he kind of told us, like, you know, where to look the jobs and stuff, you know, where to go. But basically, I didn't know anybody there. I was just like, I remember first time I went out of my apartment. I was like, oh, my God, I got to look the map. Like, I don't know where I'm at. You know, like, I don't know where where to start. You know, it was just, it was pretty big. You know, Fort Lauderdale is not that small. And I was like, oh, where should I go to look the job? <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. We got to pause there where you went from a job. I totally forgot to ask, but you came to the country and you didn't know any English, right? Yes, uh, I knew some, you know, but not enough to like- I was Like some, how much is some? It's like, you can't really have a full conversation with me, but if you tell me, go clean that table, you know, I'll know that. If you, I, I know to say I'm hungry, I know to, you know. I was, so, I was good enough to survive. <laughs> it, it was very, very, now where did you learn that English? Because this is one of the biggest excuse killers out there is you freaking didn't even know the language and uh, yet you st you still learned enough to make it happen. But so where did you learn that? I'm hungry. Who, was that like a YouTube video or what? Yeah, that was, I mean, those basics I knew from school back home. Oh, you took English in school? Yeah, I wish I took it more serious at the time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old hindsight. Uh, good old hindsight, yeah. But um yeah, I mean, basics I knew. And then I, when I came here, obviously everybody was speaking English and I just, you know, I, I, like I was pretty open-minded to it. I had a book that was get writing down, you know, putting the notes down and like just listening how people use phrases, how people, you know, express, you know, how I was just like, I was like, like, uh, I was like literally like re recording in my head, everything that like anybody would say, you know, no matter who they are, you know, I would just like listening I was like cleaning the table and I was listening to what people on the other table talking about, you know, just like go back, write my notes, put some song on, you know, go to the lyrics and Google, put down the words, you know, like it was a full book full of of words, you know, and just like phrases and everything little by little, you know, start talking. Once I uh, learned a little bit, I was more open to talk to people and then, you know, start hanging out with some people that actually born and live here. And that helped me a lot, you know, they had patience for me and, you know, they taught me a lot. So it, it was, it was not like two months project. It was like, I'm still learning, you know, I'm, I'm still looking to whenever I hear something, I don't know. I, I don't feel shy to ask. You know? Do I usually make most, do I usually make sense to you? Uh, you make a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're talking pretty clear. Okay, good. I, uh, <laughs> sometimes people have, uh, say otherwise. Here's a random question, but as you talk to me right now, how does this all process? So, do you, you hear the English and then do you translate it in your mind in Serbian and then you take the Serbian and spit it back out in English or how, how does it work in your brain talking uh, to you right now? Uh, talking to you right now, it just go automatically. I don't really think in Serbian. I don't really, it's like pretty much automatized right now. Okay. Um, but it used to be like that, like you say. I used to be like translating and of course every language has, you know, its own thing. You cannot never literally translate stuff, you know. So it was pretty hard doing it that way. Okay, so you're walking down the street and you see, uh, I don't know, you see an elephant. 
You see five <laughs> elephants. And in your mind, you're saying, I see five elements, elephants right now. Is that in English or Serbian in your mind? To be honest, it's kind of a mixture. I be, mostly it's English because most of the times I speak English because I most of the time spend at work. If, if I'm not at work, I spend, I mean, at either claytrader.com or, you know, like trading, you know, listening to, on a on in the lounger, trading lounger somewhere, you know. So it's all English for me. Okay, all right. So I mean, even you, you've uh, um, acclimated yourself enough to the point where even your thoughts are in English. Um, yeah. So interesting. Inter so yeah, see, that's what you're getting into with this podcast is I can ask you whatever you want. And um, if people, no, I don't care. I just, this is, I just want to, I just want to know. And uh, interesting. I remember uh, I, we knew somebody before, uh, they were from the Netherlands and they were explaining how, and they were, were pretty new to the country. So they knew a little bit of English, but they were always telling us how, well, it takes a while because you hear it and then we got to convert into Dutch in our mind. And then we got to figure out how to say, you know, that back in English. So it was quite the process, but it, it sounded physically exhausting. And I'm assuming you were probably a little bit physically exhausted during the, that early period, literally trying to learn the language, right? It was definitely overwhelmed, all, all put together. It was, uh, was kind of a lot on my plate. That's how I felt too. But you did it though, right? But I did it. I, like for me, that was a no question. It was just like, I had to do it. That's it. That, no, no, you know, there, there's no excuse. No ands, ifs, buts about it. Have you ever heard that one? <laughs> no. <laughs> I learned something new. There we go. There we go. That's another one. Just, you know, listen, there's no ands, ifs, buts about it. You just got to get it done. Um, yep. Do you still have that notebook or whatever the, the pad was that you were writing any of the stuff down in? I actually, not really. Uh, do I still have that one or am I still writing? Or do you have, I guess, really any of them? Are you, so you're, you still do the writing thing? I actually, I actually do have the book. Now I remember that my, my girlfriend found it and she was like laughing because beside that I had, like I had my whole budget like written on it and it was like, uh, today like I made, I don't know, $47. I paid $3.70 for the burger minus, <laughs> you know, I was, it was like some like ridiculous numbers, you know, like, like, or like, no, I, not I, at all, man. You're doing a budget. That's, I, that is, don't use the word. No, that was wise. You were being about as smart as you could be. You actually knew where you're spending your money. And according to the statistics in this country, most people have no idea where they're spending their money. So I would, I don't think that's ridiculous at all. It sounds like you're, you were doing everything right. Funny. Yeah. $3 yeah. and 70 cents for a hamburger, but yeah. that's um, still though. That's that was I, mean, my, I was I, keeping my budget tight. <laughs> you're hey, and uh, as you as anybody really should. I mean, in all actuality, do you remember any of these things that you would write down in it? I mean, you would hear it like you said. You were eavesdropping on other people's conversations and then writing stuff down. I mean, yeah. I mean, one of the things that like I'm really like kind of don't understand like back home is like why do you teach us English that is not like that I cannot use in like real life because. The way they teach us, it's like they teach me like I'm going to write a book, you know, like they don't teach me practical English because when I come here, like people like, <laughs> how you, people like, how you doing? I was like, isn't it how are you doing? Or like, you know, <laughs> I was like, there was many like phrases like that. I was like, well, like, what am I missing here? Like, why do people like, like, is it like New Jersey or like what's going on? You know, like, how about, how about this one? If somebody says to you, hey, what's up? Are you, are you thinking, well, there's clouds up there. There's birds. Is, <laughs> is that it? Another one of those that would throw you off? Yeah, it was one, another one of those. Huh, like, what is he thinking? You know, like, I mean, I, I picked it up pretty quick. That one, because everybody's saying to everybody, what's up, what's up? You know, like, it was it was easy, but 
the first time I heard it, it was also like, all right, yeah, w- what is he saying? You know, <laughs> what is this about? And a lot, that, a lot of things like that. No, I think that's a, a good point. Is you would almost with any language you have. I like the word you use, practical. So you would have practical English, practical Spanish, practical Serbian versus uh, like like you said, textbook English or textbook Serbian or textbook Spanish. I mean, because there is, uh, I never really thought about that. That's true, but. You know, I, I don't think in the textbook I've ever seen anybody saying, and here's what what's up mean. It could mean, what are they literally up in the sky? Or it could just mean, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, but that's uh, that, that's actually a good point is I think some practical language would probably go pretty far, but you picked it up uh, quick. That's uh, that's funny though. So all right, you, so bottom line, you took a journal, it was hard work, but you, you just learned the language and you speak, I should say you speak the language uh, very well. Yeah, uh, you probably speak it better than I do. Uh, no, um, really. Thank. I'll. I'll thank you. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're. Uh, um. I still remember when I met you in. Well, I no. I don't. I don't want to. Never mind. I don't want to get to that part yet. So let's just. We'll hop back into into the story here. Mm-hmm. You. Uh, the the guy whose apartment you you're now uh, basically rent, renting, living in. He gave you some job. Hey, you could ask around here. So what? What? Take it from there. I mean, you had some general general ideas. What happened next? Yeah, he was. It was kind of like last minute thing. He was leaving the same day. It was like he didn't really. You know, I was like, I just got there. I was pretty like confused. I was. You know, it was a lot in my head. Uh, he kind of told me, you know, go to the. You know, what's it called? The, the Beach Avenue there, or uh, what's the name? I forgot. You know, the Ocean Street. Actually, where we had a meeting, that street. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah. Right along the ocean there. Yep. Right. He was like, go there. You know, they have some restaurants there. You know, knock on every door, ask. You know, he pointed me to some other. You know, that Las Olas Boulevard. That's like kind of one of the main streets in Fort Lauderdale. He told me go there. You know, he he kind of pointed me to the spots, but not like particular spot. He didn't tell me like go to that restaurant and know the guy. You know, go talk to him or something. He just told me like general, which pretty much I would figure by myself. I didn't really need advice for that. I'm not. Obviously, first where I'm gonna look my job is where the busiest, you know. I was I was logical enough for that, but uh, yeah, I started looking, but it was not it was not really good in the beginning because it took me like a month till I get my first job. Well, and, uh, it, it was not very good because people just either weren't looking for work or what do you mean it was not good? Uh, it was like people were still not not looking for employees. The season still didn't start yet, and it was kind of like everybody was, you know, good on stuff. Nobody was uh, actually looking for employees. And every I knocked probably like a thousand doors. I, I think I went, I can pretty well say, like more than 100 restaurants I knocked on the doors and 100 different places. And it was pretty much the same answer, you know. People were like, first of all, when they, when they see me, they see, you know, I'm talking with the accent and my English was not not this good at the time. So they were kind of, I don't know, you know, they were not really optimistic about me. I mean, you cannot prove somebody in the worst that you're going to work hard, that you're going to be a good employee, but uh, they just see you and, uh, you know, they they have their, you know, their thoughts about you. And um, yeah, it took me about a month. But uh, the good thing is the friend that was with me, he found the job after a week. And at the place where he found the job, they didn't actually need any more employees but it was good because I spent my money pretty quick because I had to pay the rent. I had to pay the food. I had no income. So I stayed without the money. So he was working at that pizzeria 
And for like a month, I was pretty much eating pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because that was the the only food I had. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah. All right. I mean, you put it. Did you put on some weight? I mean, that's uh, not exactly the healthiest diet. No, I actually lost a lot of weight because I was under constant stress. You know, that was. I was actually life. as soon as I asked, I was like, I don't know. That sounds kind of stressful. So <laughs> my guess is he, he probably didn't lose any weight, but. You eventually found a job at, at the hotel, right? Uh, actually, the first job I found was, uh, it was a coffee shop. That was probably like a month and a week after I came. And I remember I came into that coffee shop. It was actually uh, where the hotel was, where we had a meeting. Uh, if you know that restaurant right on the beach, I don't know what it's called. Like uh, It was something like... A, with a shrimp, something gump, Papa Gump or something like that. Oh yeah, Baba Gump. Baba Gump. It was right next to it. It was a some like trashy coffee shop that doesn't exist anymore, of course. Like I didn't even think I didn't never think it's gonna last long looking that bad. But uh actually I remember I, I was going there and I was like, Oh my god, well let me ask here, you know. And then I, the guy was like, Uh, you know what? I can give you one shift to work. I was like, Great, I'll take it, you know. And I remember that coffee shop was opening like 5.30 in the morning. So I had to wake up like 4.30 in the morning and then ride my bike for like four, 45 minutes. It was it was pretty bad, but it was, you know, it was a job. I started, you know, it was like some income. It was not a lot of money. It was like $9 an hour or something like that. But uh, it was something, you know. And pretty soon after... But you had to uh, ride your bike 45 minutes to get there. Man, that was so stressful because uh, sometimes it would be cold in the morning. It would be st- still be dark and it, it would be pouring rain and I'll be like riding my bike. And I but rem- you still went to work, right? I mean, I had to, you know. That was, uh, well, I don't know. According to a lot of people in this country, I, <laughs> I you know, I, I don't say this because there's always, I guess you're kind of a, yeah, you're, are you a millennial? You're kind of like the old millennial maybe-ish. Well, since my country is probably like 100 years behind everybody else, so I'm probably not. <laughs> but well, yeah. Re- regardless, in this country, <laughs> yeah. I, I can see a lot of people saying, well, first off, that job's too far away for me if I have to ride my bike 45 minutes. Well, first off, I don't even have a car, so I can't. So I just can't work because I, yeah. I don't have a car. So, um, so that's what I'm saying. This is why victim people don't like Z because now we have... And that's the one thing I do remember. So I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Riding your bike 45 minutes each way, so 90 minutes per day, just a bike riding. I guess yeah. from an exercise perspective, that was good. That was but, good. Yeah. Um, I I I never even necessarily thought about that, but yeah, dark, chilly, rainy, and I like I love how you said, well, yeah, I had to go. That's that, that's just I, I like that mentality. Well, I I took a job. I told people I will be there, so I'm going to. Stand up, you know. I'm, I'm. See, and I'm not trying to. But that's that's how you gain an advantage in life. People is if you want to separate yourself from a lot of other people, just do what you say you're gonna do. It, I, I realize that sounds kind of simplistic, but that's what Z was doing when he just. And I love how he said it so nonchalantly. It's well, yeah, I had to go. Well, that's not the perspective a lot of people have. Unfortunately, is they'll think of every excuse of well, they can't go. But uh, and you, you just. In passing, oh yeah, I had to go. I didn't have a choice. Well, that's yeah. good stuff. Now, how long was this shift? It started at five thirty, and then was this like part time or what? It was uh, uh, it was till one o'clock, one okay. p.m. So I was what, what was that? Six, seven, like eight hours or so, or was it like six, seven? Yeah, 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 so, yeah about, yeah, yeah. about. I mean, it, it would depend. Like if you were busy, I would stay later. If you know slower, I would leave at like twelve, twelve thirty. 
you know, but it, it will be for sure till 12, you know, that's where the second shift comes in and that's where, you know, switch. But if it's busy, sometimes we would like overlap, you know, we would all stay to help because it was a pretty busy place, even though it was a trashy. Now, didn't you say you took a job though at the hotel? I did, so. Uh, okay, yeah, this is the really ironic part about where Z and I first met. Uh, not at that hotel, but. Oh, not uh, at that hotel. N- not at that Okay, one. so when you told me that, you were talking about the coffee shop when we were talking how you how you because I probably to, said to, it was a coffee shop in front of the hotel. That, that's okay. My... There we go. That that's what it was for listeners. Again, for the other business, uh, we'll do the meetups, and this meetup was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and that's where uh, I originally met Z and uh, his now fiance. Was she your fiance at the time? I don't remember. She was. Yep. Okay, and his fiance, and I, I remember. You know, he's he's kind of telling me some of this. I, I'm learning a lot more. But the one thing was, oh yeah, and I, I used to work like in the and now, as he just reminded me, the coffee store out front. So it's kind of almost random that the hotel we picked for this meetup was literally yeah. right at one of the spots where you were, 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 were you know, making the life for yourself way back when. Yeah. And so that, that was kind of a an ironic twist a little bit that that is just where we so happened to, to, to pick that hotel. I know. But, when I saw location, I had no doubt if we're going to come or not. It was like... I go to Fort Lauderdale every year. It's just like a lot of memories there, and I love it. I love the place. So you're you're going back down this winter then too? Probably, yeah. I'm gonna go for like I have a lot of friends there, so I usually go for a few days. I mean, I was already there uh, there this year, uh, twice, and uh, probably some some point maybe like in February or March I'm gonna visit again. Oh, I, I must have missed my invite. I'll go check my mailbox. <laughs> I, I... Maybe the mailman lost it. I don't know. But, uh, or may- maybe the email went to my spam folder. So Probably. I'll check my spam folder real quick too. But uh, now you had the coffee shop job. But I mean, you're only working eight hours a day. There's still another 16 hours left. And I, yep. after hearing about your 100 hours, I mean, I'm, did you pick up another job or what? Yeah, I was uh, actively looking for another job. I definitely wasn't happy with only working eight hours. Uh, so I was looking for another job. But then... Uh, I found another job maybe like month, like maybe like close to two months since I came. And it was funny the way I found it. Like I was looking so hard, like knocking on every door, like being, start to be annoying to people. You know, they start recognizing me, you know, like walking around and asking for jobs. I would go to the same place three times, ask for the job because I forget I was there at the first place, you know. So just like, I was just seeing so many places, trying so many places that I would like, you know, forget that I all, that was already there, you know. So the way I actually found the job after all of that was uh, one night, me and my friend, we kind of took a walk, you know. And then we called the cab. So the cab, we asked the cab driver, you know, where's the good bar? You know, where can we hang out? Where there's a, where there are people around? So he recommended the bar. He drove us there and he kind of like ripped us off with, um, with the charge. He like, he saw that we like, uh, not good in English and, you know, he kind of took advantage of us and we realized that and we didn't want to pay, you know, we were kind of like, call the police, you know, do whatever you want. You're not gonna, you know, you're not. You can't do anything. You like screw us up, and like that was the conversation back and forth. And there was one guy that was standing on the side, and he was like, "Guys, where are you from?" And we were like, "Serbia." And he was like, "I'm Serbia. Like I was born here, but like I'm uh like my parents are from Serbia." And I was like, "Really?" And like, can you talk to this guy and tell him like what's up that we're like not sheep that he cannot like take that money easy from us? And like <laughs> he talked to him, and the cab driver left. But what happened? That guy was working for the valet parking company that I was actually looking for employees 
And that night I got a job. <laughs> after after all the times looking for the job, knocking on the doors, I actually got a job by just like accidentally meet somebody like on the street fighting with a cab driver. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Uh, um, it's it, it's it's odd how when you just stay active, you know, even if if you're not necessarily looking for a job at that moment in time, but just putting yourself out there. Right. How, uh, how, it gotta how happen. Yes. Yeah, so, how things like that work. So. You didn't start to work that job. When did you start to work? I'm, was, I'm assuming it wasn't necessarily that very night. But no, was no, like, no. It was uh, that was late in the night. We were like going to the bar. It was like uh, probably like a week after that. Okay. And since it was a company that uh, they kind of like uh, has their valet people and their the other like restaurants and hotels, they they call you and they ask for the service. So I was working at a for the company for many different places and it was always work, you know, it was always busy and was always something to do. So I was like, I started working seven days a week again and then my coffee shop job picked up and then I was working pretty much all doubles, like seven doubles again, like I did in New Jersey too. So we're Um, back to a hundred hour weeks. uh, We're back to more, more than that at this point because uh, this coffee shop was uh, from five 30 in the morning till one, but once he started to get busy, he was keeping me like till the last minute I could have stayed. And that was probably like three, four. And then I would work from like six till like 12 at midnight. Uh, uh, my other job as a valet parking. And this went on for how long? Oof, this was long. This was probably like five, six months. I mean, yeah. at least in my head, that was pretty long. It, it, it lasts like eternity. It was no, no, I, like, I mean, I, I can't say I, I've been there. But I mean, the the human body, the human mind it begins to break down when you're, you know, lack of sleep and all you're doing is working and all that. So I, I'm sure it did seem like a, a super long amount of time. And again, what were you doing with all this money? Was were you spending it? Uh, were you just going out to the bar with it, or was the majority of the the cash that you were coming in being saved? Uh, no, not at all. I wasn't spending at all. I didn't have time to spend it anywhere. So it was all like saving. I was saving it at all. Uh. I, I bought a car uh, because I I couldn't really because my other job too like not just the coffee shop my other job too was like hour and something away with the bike and working like 16, 17 hour a day and like riding bike you know like wait for, so you rode you rode your bike to this other place that was an hour away unfortunately yes and <laughs> I right, remember so, no I so forty five minutes to the coffee shop. And then are you saying that the other job was an hour away from the coffee shop itself? It was an, uh, it wasn't, yeah, about an hour, maybe, a, yeah, it was, yeah, it was about an hour, yep. Okay, so then on the way home, you'd have to go an hour and 45 minutes on your bike? No, it was kind of a triangle. Okay, was, all right, well that, okay. Yeah, it, it was good, you know. Regardless, it's still, it's still mass insanity in a good way, but I guess it's not as bad as it could have been, um, but. Yeah, I mean, at one point I was thinking to like go you know, ride the bike for money, you know, race people. So I was so good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, did you ever go to the Tour de France or anything? Or am I gonna see you on TV soon? Are you actually a professional cyclist that I'm unaware of? But okay, now you did this for, actually you bought a car. I mean, what, I, so was this like I a used in, car? It was a used car. It was a it was a junker. It was pretty bad. What did you was, pay for it? Uh, I paid two thousand dollars. All right, uh, and that was all cash purchase. That was all cash purchase. Yep. I love it, man. This is awesome. So yeah. I mean, 
Depreciation is not going to get you too bad on a $2,000 car. Right. But... I mean, listen, it was $2,000, but I, I treated it as a Lamborghini. So it was, for me, uh, it was my first car. I was going to ask you, sure, it was a $2,000 clunker, but from your perspective, I bet that thing felt like a million bucks because you earned every single one of those dollar bills, all 2,000 of them that you spent on that thing, and yep. you didn't have to ride your bike anymore. So you probably did feel like a Lamborghini. That's, that, that's funny you say that, but... You didn't take that car for granted, did you? Not at all. Yeah, it was a uh, it was well earned. I I that I think that might be an understatement. Now you have this car. I actually let, so during this five to six months when you were just working, 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 saving, 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 were you saving for something? Did you have a a, a longer term goal, or I guess what kind of was your goal? Obviously, your first goal was I just need to get a job. Now you had those jobs. You're working all those hours. What was or, or was there not necessarily a goal at that point in time from a, a bigger picture perspective? Well, I at the time, I didn't really want to look at the huge picture because I was still like, I had to pay my lawyers and uh, to do my pay, uh, uh, to do my paperwork and like for the green card and everything. That was a lot of money too. And I, I set up, you know, small goals. First one was to save enough money so I can be like, in case I had to find, look for a job, you know, another time for like a couple of months. So I'm not like shaking. I'm not like losing pounds because I'm stressing. Just want to have some saved, want to pay my lawyer. Uh, you know, I obviously wanted to buy the car, which I did. And at the time, like I was working that much that like my brain was not, first of all, it was not functioning pretty well to like think about anything that is like complex. And, and I was working a lot that I didn't have time to like, think about a lot. You know, I was waiting for season to be over sit down, you know, and just like with a clear mind, uh, make some decisions, you know, where I want to be, where I want to go, what I want to do, you know. I think it's easier when you have money and think about that versus when you're when you broke and think about that. I think that's a good point. But it's also in your case, if you don't have money, you just got to get out there and do it Absolutely. and get money. And uh, I like how you set little goals for yourself. And I, I did not, again, just pure ignorance on my part, it makes sense that, yeah, you, you would probably need some sort of attorney to help you with all the paperwork to make sure you're going through the process the right way. Yeah. Um, and I, I never at one point heard you complain about that. You just said, hey, I got to pay this person. So let me set some goals so that I can uh, get this person paid. You didn't yep. focus on the problem. You focused on the solution and uh, you got it done. Now, you went five to six months doing all this and I'm assuming something changed right after that. So. Did you, um, I don't know, I guess pick back up the, the story from that point. Yeah, I. Uh, so the season was over in Fort Lauderdale. Like I kind of like started losing shifts a little bit, you know. I kind of saw it was going, it was still not dead, but it, like I, I kind of saw it coming, you know, off season. And I was thinking, you know what, I'll go back to New Jersey. Season starts there right now, you know. I'll just go wherever the, there is business. And then once New Jersey is over, come back here, you know, and just like, just work, you know, just, you know, make some savings, sacrifice a few years for like, you know, the better future or whatever. And so I did go back to New Jersey and then I went to another saga of finding the job. But this time it was actually a little bit easier because I was more patient. I was definitely financial, financially doing okay after working that much. And um, my English was better at the time. You know, I knew more about everything. You know, I was just not new anymore. I was mentally more stable, you know, as I was working on my financial situation, I was working on everything else for me, you know, like I was trying to get stronger in every aspect. So when I came back from New Jersey, unfortunately, I had to work as a busboy again. But um, pretty soon, 
Actually, I was working as a busboy and I was working at another coffee shop again in New Jersey. And by the way, there is a lot of things going on in between while I'm doing all this. I, for six years being here, actually place I live right now, I've lived here for two years, but so for four years, I moved 12 times. That was another part that was crazy. I was like getting on my nerves, you know, moving constantly, you know. Move, and moving is one of the, I mean, the, this topic of stress keeps coming up. Moving is a stressful experience in and of itself. Very stressful, very stressful and it takes takes time. So yeah, when I came back to New Jersey, I worked another summer and then some. I actually decided to stay there even if there was off season. By the end of that season, I found a job that I still have. And that job is, uh, there is a hotel here where I live. It is old, like 200 years old. And it's like really luxury, expensive. And they were looking for the uh, valet parking attendants. And since I had experience, I, I took the job and uh, I was, uh, I'm still there, you know. And from that point, uh, the things started to be a little bit easier for me. I actually met my girlfriend. You know, I start to have a little bit more of social life. Uh, I start my like mini business, call it, um, and which I'm doing still right now. You know, from I think that's um, now you you say that your 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 life has gotten a little bit easier. So, how many hours um, are we are we caught up to pretty much present day right now? Uh, yeah. So. Uh, it would still be a lot of hours in the summertime, but uh, I would not like put that much hours in the wintertime. I mean, I would still work 40 hours, but 40 hours for me right now, it's like it's like <laughs> vacation. It's like nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, you probably feel like you're working a part, part, part-time part job at 40 hours a week. Like, I honestly don't feel it. Like 40 hours, like all day long. Like I, I totally don't feel it. Like, like I don't feel like I'm working at 40 hours. Yeah, I mean, you. there's time to sleep. There's time to pursue this other stuff. Um, and now you, you don't work in Florida anymore though, right? If I'm understanding right, that, no, that's no. All. So you, I moved, you just go down there to visit. I just go down to visit. Yeah. I moved that after that season and I stayed in New Jersey. That's where I met my girlfriend and like that, that's kind of a little bit changed my life. And, uh, after that we, we got a kid and, uh, you know, I didn't want to move back and forth anymore. You know, I would rather, uh, you know, be in one place and have a job that it's, that it's good and that way can I, uh, you know, maybe not make as much, but, uh, you know, be a job that I can work year round. Yeah, and there's definitely, numerically, sure, uh, you, you may not make as much as, as as far as the spreadsheet says. However, from a practical standpoint, to use that word again, I would say it, it's a very practical uh, value of money just for the reasons you, you know, you, you mapped out where you're not having to go back and forth and, and all that. So, right. I mean, You've been here for seven years or so, seven or eight, give or take. Yeah, six years. 2012 in May, I came. Okay. So and six you, and a half, about. And you, you've obviously been through a lot. What do you think the hardest part during this six-year journey? I mean, where, where do you think it, it was the most trying for you? Where you, you maybe not that you were ever going to tap out and give up. Do you know what tap out means? Do you know what? Uh, no, uh, there, that's a new one. Okay, so in your notebook, tap out just means give up. Oh, that give means, up, gotcha. Yep, so if it, cause you know, uh, you're a sports fan. Do you ever watch MMA where they're fighting? Uh, I kind of don't like it, but uh, yeah, I mean, if there's something big happening, like 
just happen. Okay, so if somebody's like getting choked and like they're suffocating, like yeah. the lingo is they'll, they'll, oh, they'll tap. I got it, I got it. I know, yeah, they'll like tap their arm and they're tapping yep, out. Yep, so yep, that's, yeah, makes that's sense. the reference. All right, perfect. I'm, and I'm not trying to, I'm not talking to, talking down to you, but you said you're always looking to learn some more English. So I'm, I'm trying to keep you hip, man. Okay. Absolutely, just, man. I, I appreciate that. I, do you know like, what keep, do you know what keep you hip means? I mean, I never heard, but it kind of makes sense, you know? Yeah. Kind of, I, want, I want you to be cool, man. I want you to be cool like me. Okay. Because right. I, 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 That's I'm a challenge. Hip. That's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I assure you, I set the bar very low in the coolness factor, but, uh, I'm pretty no, cool, man. Uh, at what point, or did you know? Were you close to, to tapping out, to, to giving up? I mean, uh, like I said, I, I'm not saying you ever planned on quitting, but if there was a moment where you're like, ah, that was really difficult. What what part do you think that would be over the six seven year journey? Uh, I don't think I was ever close to that. Uh, I don't think that was an option for me. But if I if I got to pick the moment, it was like the hardest. Uh, it would probably be a beginning. Because I was in a battle that I didn't know who I'm fighting against, you know. I was just like thrown into the fire. I didn't have like, you know, you know how, for example, when you're trading, if you're smart, you not start with uh, 5,000 shares. You start like a little bit by a little bit, like learning, then a paper trading, then a small share size. Then you, you know, like once you're consistent, you like add it, you know, you go gradually, you know. And for me, it was just like thrown into the fire, you know, just like I was like, came from nothing and like, and start working like 100 hours a week. So beginning was pretty, you know, it was a big hit for me. And I would probably pick that moment, but also when I was in Florida, I remember one night I was coming back from work. It was like an 18 hour shift or so. And by the way, I don't think I slept the last the night before because I was working. So it was, I was riding my bike and I was going down the bridge, it was rainy and I never gonna re- uh, forget that I fell off my bike on top of all those hours, and that was the moment I really wanted to throw my bike over the bridge. Once I got up, and I wanted to jump right after it. <laughs> it was it was pretty bad, you know. So I would say that that Florida was definitely uh, that at at one point I was definitely miserable and 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 the very beginning. And what? How did you push through those instances? What what kept yourself from not following that bike? I mean, was, was there a mind trick you're using on yourself? But and I'm asking you this because ideally, there's somebody out there that's listening to this that's maybe going through what you're going through, yeah. that may be getting ready to embark on the same type of journey that you you've gone through. So, any words of wisdom that you can share? I mean, that's kind of the idea here. Is I mean, if we can help somebody else out, I think we'd both agree. And this was this has been a very good use of our time. So I mean, how did you push through those difficult, difficult, uh, you know, you know, hurdles along the way? Yeah, I mean, the method I use, like once once that happened, once I fell off the bike, I was like so mad, and like I was just sat like on a concrete, and I was like, I just sat like I was gonna, I don't know, I was gonna cry, I was gonna, it was like I never had that feeling before in my life. I was like so like desperate, but like I sat down, I tried to, you know, like like basically meditate, I don't know, like just to, any any thought that was coming towards me, I was trying to reject, you know, like any thought. I was just trying not to think about anything, just to clear my mind. I was sitting there for 10 minutes. I got up, went home. And like right now thinking about that, like I can't believe I reacted that, you know, like, and that was a lesson for me. Even right now when I'm like mad about something, whenever I, you know, sometimes you like really think it's over. You really think you're mad about something. You, You don't think there's a way out. But then I remember the situation. I remember how miserable I felt then. And like a few days after I felt like nothing happened. 
and then I, you know, I use the history to implement, you know, in a in a present when I when I need it, you know. And whenever I feel like that right now, I mean, not that bad. I don't think I was gonna feel that bad again. But whenever I feel like down, like I just think about, you know, I remember that, and I say to myself, all right, just let a, let a few days go, and then you're gonna feel same thing gonna happen. You're gonna forget about it. Nothing's really matter in life that much, you know, to make you, uh, to make you give up, you know. Why would why would I give up because of the one thing, you know? And back to the beginning of this conversation, you know, people people uh, in Africa don't have water, and like I'm complaining because uh, I don't know, like I, you know, I had a bad day at work or so. So I always like use those methods. And and what I always like, um, and I, I have to say this to myself sometimes too. It's oh, you know. To, oh, I had a bad day at work. At where? Where did you have <laughs> yeah. a bad day? Yeah. Oh yeah, at work. What does work do for you? Oh yeah, it provides an income. So was it really that bad? And I get it, people have bad days at work, but to your point, it could always be so much worse. You could be having a problem where you had a bad day because you don't even have any work. Um, yeah. And uh, not to speak for you, but it sounds like you're, you're just focus on the positives. Focus on the fact that, you know, what you have, sure, it may be kind of rough, but it always could be a lot worse. Is that a, a fair summary of kind of how you were, you, you'd view the situations? Absolutely. You know, like you can always uh, look things from a different angle. An angle can change everything. You can sometimes feel that something is like this way and then you look from a different angle and like a totally different way, you know. So, I mean, things are not always as they appear. I'll just leave it at that. I, I like that a lot. They are definitely not as always as they appear. What are your goals going forward? I mean, you're, you're obviously in the, the stock market, which is how we met through the other business. So I, I know you have um, you know, plans for the stock market, but I mean, do you have any sort of other goals for yourself? Are, are you, uh, are you, do you ever put for college or just, just anything in general? I mean, goals minus the stock market stuff, um, you know, because we've talked extensively about that, but right. anything outside of, uh, you know that? Yeah, actually, uh, what I forget to tell you, like when I came back to New Jersey, uh, like first time from Florida, uh, one thing that I observe and uh, there were a lot of people because it's a season in town. There is a lot of people and there is a lot of students coming to work just to work and travel uh, for like a summer. I saw there are people that like renting the houses and then like having those students in them and one of those houses I lived in. So I was thinking, you know, why, why I wouldn't do that, you know? And then the next season, that's what I did. I actually uh, rented a big house and then I start calling the agencies they send those students and uh, start getting connected and kind of uh, implement that as my side business, you know, something that would be like, you know, there would be some extra cash for me. And th that's what I do uh, up until today's day. And what I'm thinking right now, I'm probably thinking about purchasing the house and, um, maybe doing the same thing or maybe, uh, you know, since I live in a seasonal place, I can definitely do Airbnb and rent the house or, you know, get involved in real estate a little bit, little bit more. All right, so just so I understand right, you, see, I thought you meant earlier your side business. I thought you meant that was your, your stock market passion, but no, that's, so technically that's, you have a couple of side businesses and you have your, your stock market trading and yeah. then you, you have the real estate. So you rent a house? So yeah, I rent like the big house, like a huge house that fits like 10, 15 people. Okay, so you, you rent it for yourself? Yes, for like, a, I rent it for like four or five months. 
Okay, and you do this, how, how did you, I'm fascinated by this, so how did you find this house that's gonna rent, is this through like Airbnb or something? No, you. I just went to the real estate agencies, local ones, and I told, you know, what my intentions are, and I go to many of them, and once I find a good house, you know, once I find the price I like, and I do my calculations, you know, how many people can I put, how many money, how much money can I make, and once that everything, you know, once the calculations are right, I uh, I take the house. Oh, so because I want to go through these numbers with you. So you you just you basically talk with real estate agents and say, hey, this is my plan. Can you help me out? Is yes. that yes? Yep. And eventually, somebody said, yeah, yeah, you can have this house. Yep. So what do you rent that house for? What is your cost? What is my cost? Yeah. Uh, they usually run from for for like four months. They usually run from ten to fifteen thousand dollars, and they usually ask to to be paid out front for per month uh no for the whole season okay and the season is uh the, the season, season is, is uh starts in june and it ends like september like after memorial uh, uh <laughs> memorial labor day I always like switch those two yeah uh, for, I, 4th of september okay now so you're, you're paying, let's just call it $15,000. So it, you said it depends. So you've done this with multiple houses then? Uh, i done with three different houses. Okay. So let's just say 15, or uh, you're not doing that one would, right that would, now. That'll be a little high. Uh, I just did. I just finished it. I closed All right, let, house. let's walk through that. So the one you just did as a case study, what was your cost? So one one that I just did, actually I rented a year round. So I had, I rented it um, in a winter time in October and that house was uh, fourteen fifteen a month, per month. Four, fourteen fifteen per month, but okay. I, the winter time, the winter time, I had five people in it, in it, and I was charging them uh, four hundred a month. Okay, so that's sixteen hundred dollars each. Yes, uh, so four hundred four hundred a month, not each four hundred a month for five people. For five people, yeah. Okay, so that's two thousand dollars coming into you, coming yes, in then. Yes. Yes, and that was uh, eight months of a year. So, and your cost was fourteen fifteen. Yep. So that's a, a profit of five eighty five per month for how many months you said? For twelve. Uh, for well, there were uh, utilities, so they don't pay utilities. I pay utilities for them, so it would be about like I would about break even. My main goal is the summer. Like I was just having them to keep my house alive. Not I see. So you're, you're, that part of it is just to, to, to keep you at a break even at that yep, point. Yep, yep. Okay. So what about the summer then? Let's talk summer numbers. So summer, uh, I had nine people. At 400 each? Uh, actually, the summertime I made, well, I took by the experience. First year when I did it, I was like, I was trying to be uh, uh, more fair than I was supposed to be fair. And I was like, you know what, guys, it's 120 a week per person. And then I'll be like, how long are you staying? You know, because I don't want somebody coming and leaving after a month. And then I have an empty space in a house. Right. And of, and of course, answer is like, oh, we stay in the whole summer. you know. And then in the middle of summer, I have like three, four people leaving. Uh, sixth person didn't like the house. Uh, seventh person, he was like, didn't like the job, you know, like and people start leaving early. And I still, I was still in profit, but like not the way I planned. So this year I organized a little different. Uh, I asked for the bigger deposit and then I... Um, I actually made the different payments. I made um, for them to pay each of them, and there was nine of them to pay uh, two sixty per entry, 
260 per entry and the whole cost of the house for the four months was uh, 1600 actually i'm sorry it was 1700 so i would deduct those 260 from uh, from 1700 and then i would charge them uh per week so once i have that number once i have like uh 1700 minus 260 yep. whatever that number is i would divide that number from the from the point they came to 10th of august so they would all have a different rates but in the end of the day they were all paid 1700 and i managed to have like nine people paying me 1700 you know they would not they would not bail if they know they have like 260 you know and they have a 300 dollars deposit on top of that right yeah i know the uh yeah in my real estate deals i'm a big fan of the uh deposit slash down payment, whatever you want to call it. But that's definitely a good incentive for people. So I mean... So it's basically 17, to like simplify everything, it's 1700 per person, 0.9 uh, debt. And then my utilities are about uh, electric for four months. It's about 1200. And then the water is about 1000. And internet is about 300. So whatever they makes like 2500 are my expenses minus whatever i make from them obviously so right, yeah, too. right so you're 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 definitely turning a profit on this is kind of the uh the the key the key aspect here yeah clever very clever i I've, I've never i mean yeah that that's definitely a way to, and that's why i love real estate cuz there's so many ways around it but you're yeah. thinking of actually buying this particular house or just buying a house in general and doing this well what happened what happened this year because now i'm doing it for like three years and actually four and i start getting like a hundreds of emails every summer and if i have 10 houses 10 houses will be full i would make a hundred thousand dollar a year just from that alone but the problem is i can't find the houses a and the b uh, uh the b my b problem is i don't have enough you know like I don't have enough cash to buy those houses and you know because this house particularly that i'm renting right now uh the guy just bought it and he bought it for like uh three hundred thousand dollars it's a pretty if you if you take a look i live in cape may cape may new jersey if you take a look of the real estate how much they were here it's like the 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 worst house would be like at least three hundred thousand the worst house and they run a few millions it's pretty expensive, so. So it sounds like right now, the the, the near term goal is to just keep renting, and yep. keep hoarding cash, and then eventually you'll be able to to get something. Now you mentioned you know if you had ten houses, well to go back to your trading reference, yeah if you bought five thousand shares right out of the gate, I mean <laughs> you can make some money. So um, I, I'd say probably just. And it sounds like that's your your plan is just ease into it one at a time, one at a time, and then before you know it, yeah, you'll be up to you know ten or so. Um, but yeah, yeah, slowly, I, you know. And I I think if I if I have my own house, I think I would switch from those students thing. I would switch to just Airbnb. I think I would do that because it's a uh, uh, it's much more uh, it's it's uh, much more paid. Put it that way. Because for example, the hotel I'm working in, the rooms are. Uh, not, not nothing special, but they the rooms run for like six seven hundred dollars a night. So to have a nice house and uh, rent on Airbnb, I think it's uh for people. I know some people they have money they do that right here where I live, and they're really making it good, you know. What? Some, 
are there are the fees with Airbnb? I'm assuming they must be pretty reasonable, or, or the, fees can fees get kind of crazy. They are kind of crazy. So, for example, imagine if you you have three kids, right? Or, or four. I'm sorry. Yes, I have four. Yes, four, I don't know if okay. that was hypothetical or if you're asking me. But yes, I have yeah. four kids. So, uh, imagine if you have to go with with your wife and four kids to vacation in Cape May. So you have to probably spend uh, for your stay for like seven days. You just for your just to stay like at the room where you have enough space to fit you all, you probably have to spend like like $7,000 for seven days. And on Airbnb- Holy smokes. Yep, yep. And probably uh, that was like on the lower side, you could you, you probably would spend more. But uh, uh, if you, let's say if you rent the house on Airbnb, uh, you will probably pay like two, 300 a night or maybe four, 500 a night, but that's still like 50% less for you would pay right. like, Stay in hotel, and you have your house. You will have like your kitchen. You'll be alone. You know, you would uh, have more comfort, comfort in where you where you at. So, from the from the seller's perspective, so if it was your house and you were to list your house on Airbnb, um, do you know what those fees are? Like, how bad does Airbnb ding the sellers for their you know forget for allowing them to list on their site? Do you know I'm anything I'm about actually, those fees? I actually don't know about those fees. Okay, okay. That's what I, I was kind of curious about was, I mean, clearly they're not disastrous given uh, that people use the site and everything, but um, yeah, I was just wondering what sort of, uh, how that would factor into the numbers. But it, it sounds like with three years now under your belt, you, you've got this, you're fine tuning it to a, a nice little profitable thing for yourself. Um, yep. So I mean, are you? Do you plan on doing this house again, or are you always just looking for other houses that you could potentially loot, uh, use? Well, particularly with this house, what happened? Uh, the owner uh, actually renovating the house, and he he's gonna do Airbnb because obviously it's more money than for me giving him fourteen hundred a month. But what he's doing, he's buying another house, and he said like, uh, if he buys the house, if that purchase happens. He's gonna let me know, and then I'm gonna do a gonna do that house for a summer, and then like I think he buys like a house uh, like per year. He's a pretty wealthy guy. So you're kind of gonna to start to manage these for him, maybe in a sense. Yep. Is that that's correct? Yes. Okay, because I was gonna think it sounds like if you're willing, because I mean you've done it before and just knocked on doors. It sounds like you could start to try to look up real estate investors or just people like him in your area and be like, hey, if you want to be the capital. And to buy these houses, I can try to manage them, and that might be a way to kind of get yourself more involved without, you know, ha having the cash to, to purchase the house. But if you can start to get in with these people and act as the, the the quote unquote manager of them, the person that implements the system which you're fine tuning, you know, that may be another route you could go. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to run that as long as I can. The problem is, I think that is running out of steam a little bit because. Even the, those investors and people that buy houses, they realize it's much more better if you invest a little bit more money and like make the house nice and then do Airbnb, because um, it's just more money, you know. So I don't know for how long I'm gonna be able to do that, but I'm definitely not gonna miss my chances if I have one. Yeah, no, I, I like that attitude. Uh, that's that's a good way to approach and. Um, yeah, that, that's really awesome. Well, looking at the time here, we've been chatting it up for about an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else that you wanted to just make a point of, to, to rant about, to anything that gets on your nerves? Um, uh, I actually, I, that kind of brought up a question. 
and you know, I'm not trying to turn this political, but you know, you know, there's perceptions out there. A lot of people just playing the victim card. They're they're complaining about things. Is is that one of your bigger pet peeves, or can, can you relate to those? Pe- I mean, I don't know. How do you view the people that just kind of throw up their hands and say, you know, the the system's holding me down, stuff like that? I mean, I was even back at a time when I let's say that I achieved something, but like at a time where I still didn't achieve anything, I was disgusted of them. And now I'm just like even more disgusted, you know, like people just constantly complaining. And I understand like problems are problems. You have problems. There are hard times. It's all right. But if you just, if you, if your solution to the hard, hard times is just to sit on your hands, it's like, you know, it just like makes me, like you said, it's one of my biggest pet peeves, you know, just, just don't like people being lazy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, and I'm fully with you. That's why, uh, yeah, I, um, I enjoyed your company in Florida. We were going to hang out in uh, Denver, but, uh, life got in the way life happened. So you weren't yeah. able to make it to Denver for the meetup, but, um, you ought to definitely try to come to the next meetup, hopefully. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to hang out again. So Z man, thank you, uh, so much for hanging out. Uh, we, we, we sent you a mic so I, I we can kind of summon you at any time, if you will, yep. uh, to come back. And, but uh, yeah, I uh, you know we'll be in touch, obviously, through the other site and everything. But uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your afternoon and uh, sharing your story. And hopefully it can motivate. I know, I mean, I'm motivated. I'm going to have, I'm going to be <laughs> telling plenty of people to listen to it. But uh, yeah, man, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, man, as far as the motivation, I think I owe you that one, you know. You motivated me through all this, what I'm doing. So even good. even so before I joined the clay trader. So it's a win-win situation. Then. It's a win-win. It's so Good. That's what, that's what a good deal is where both people walk away with benefits. So awesome. Yep. Well, thanks again. And uh, yeah, we will keep in touch. All right. Thanks for having me, Clay. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I want to just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating, that goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there. And I I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the Slab Money Method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, moneywithclay.com and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works, it truly does. And I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one year money back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.